There we go. We're back for another episode of Friday Night Counterattack. Eid Mubarak after celebrating Eid. It's been a long Ramadan and I'm back and I'm ready to record some more content and more, more episodes. And this is the episode I've been waiting for. Kind of all Ramadan, really, because of the big news of Ericsson Har becoming the new Manchester United manager. So stick around for the end for the full thoughts of myself. And we're going around the country today, actually. So we're going... Uh, where are we going? We're going southeast first in Surrey. So we've got our favourite staff editor from The Athletic, Anthony Hay, back again with us. Anthony, good to see you, my friend. How are you? I'm all good, thank you. Thanks for having me again. I enjoyed the last one, so hopefully this one's even better. This one will be much better, I can, I can assure <laughs> you, because we've got a lot more uh, a lot more vibrancy on this episode today. We're going to have a lot more to talk about on this episode and a lot more disagreements, I think we will as well. A lot of Man mm-hmm. United fans on this podcast, so it's going to be a good fun uh, to see how it goes. And then in North London as well, we've got our very own Enfield United superstar, who's also <laughs> part of a podcast uh, called the Trafford Tunnel, which has been killing it recently as well. And quite entertaining in terms of when you see loads of Man United content, you see a lot of them downbeat, sad, ranting. But this was quite thorough and I quite enjoyed listening to the Trafford Tunnel. And shout out to my friend Toby, who introduced me to Mark from Trafford Tunnel. Mark, I'm not going to say your surname because I don't want to butcher it live on, on a podcast, but <laughs> Mark, thank you very much for the podcast. Uh, for thank the you, man. Thank you. Um, I'm just glad to be making my debut. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh yeah, shout out Toby, man. Yeah, Toby needs to come on the podcast. I miss this guy too much because he's like, oh yeah, next week, next week. I'm like, you're never going to come on, are you? <laughs> when you see him afterwards, Mark, tell him you have, to, you have to bring him on. Toby's a fellow Man United fan who I go to games with as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing him next. And we can't not go to South London and we can't not introduce Zim back again for a Man United podcast. So Zim, it's good to see you again, my friend. How are you doing? Yo, yo, yo. I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. I like the intro, man. You're gassing me up. You're gassing <laughs> us up. Like, it's good to see. It's good to see. Feeling welcome. So, yeah, looking forward to this episode, man. You know what it is? It's when you have a break from podcasting, and I've had a good four weeks off of not really doing it. So I've just been, like, chomping at the bit to get back at it as well. As you can kind of see, I put the Ramadan weight on as well. Bit of muscles as well, bit of muscles as well, but mostly just like extra weight that I didn't need to, didn't need to eat. My mum wasn't impressed with me on Eid day. She was like, you did all that hard work all year round and you just got rid of it over four weeks. I'm like, that's what Ramadan's for, for overeating as well. It was the other way around, but yeah, fair enough. For some people still around, for me, it's an excuse. Ice creams, yes, chocolates, yes, all of that nonsense afterwards. Just, just overeat, which is crazy, but... No, I'm really happy and I'm really um, glad to be back because realistically speaking, I've had a couple of people give me feedback and I was saying to Anthony and to Mark before in terms of, oh yeah, we know what you're kind of like as a person, but you're not really showing people how much you enjoy podcasts. I'm like, oh, I love it, mate. I love it. But I'm normally like this after a long day at work and I'm tired and I'm exhausted. I don't want it to sound like that when we're listening back. So um, first things first, we are going to be talking about Manchester United. We are going to be talking about the rebuild that will be happening in the summer. We are going to be talking about the players that we want to see coming back into this Manchester United football club and the players we want to see leaving Manchester United football club and what can really go well in Ericsson Hard's first season because that's really what we're going to be talking about so far. But um, I was speaking to Mark earlier today um, before we jumped on the podcast and Mark, we're going to ask everyone a question really on first things first, should Manchester United keep Cristiano Ronaldo? Yes or no? 100%. 100%. Like, he's just... um he's just a game changer and the biggest game changer the greatest game changer yeah you gotta keep him we need to keep Cristiano Ronaldo someone who I believe has been someone who just saved our season him David De Gea 
you can't really think of anyone else really off the top of your head who's actually really done the business for Manchester United over the season in the games when they're losing to come into it and draw from when they're drawing to coming into it and then winning as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with Cristiano Ronaldo in the summer. But Anthony, um, can you tell us a bit more about how you've seen it from your perspective? Again, going to Man United games as well this season, have you mm. noticed a difference in the body language of players around Cristiano Ronaldo? Do you think, I personally think they've actually been like shrinking they're not as big as they once were last season under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because they are in the shadow of Cristiano Ronaldo. Would you kind of agree with that? Disagree with that? I want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'd say so. Even when Lee Grant was on TalkSport and he said about how the players weren't having desserts anymore mm. because Ronaldo is such a leader and he's such a model professional. I think that just brings the spirit up in the dressing room. So, yeah, 100% he has to stay. He guarantees you 25 goals a season. And that's so hard to replace. Like we've seen like all the strikers we're linked with, they normally get like 20 goals and they're doing it in like Germany or Portugal. Like Ronaldo does it everywhere he goes and you can't replace that. So yeah, even though he's 37, he's going to be 38 next year. You have to keep him around, I think. He has that fear factor as well, Cristiano Ronaldo. Luke Shaw was definitely not happy with not having his pudding after everything or not having salt and sugar afterwards. <laughs> oh, That's literally what Luke, Luke, Shaw, Luke Shaw went down after October. He got to sneak in a few puddings after the Atlanta game and then it just went down after, the, after that. Yeah, bro. I saw a tweet that said Man United were better when they were allowed puddings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's painful. Evidence backs it up, man. It really is. It really is. And I saw something about how like Edison Cavani was like going on about like, oh yeah, I don't really want to play for now they're in my spot. So, that's also kind of the negative energy that we don't need to see um, for the rest of the season as well, going out. And I saw a, a kid yesterday, like, kind of hugging Kavain, saying, don't go. And I was like, why do you want to celebrate someone like that who's been, like, ghosting the whole season? It's like that meme when you see that guy post and he just, like, evaporates. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Been doing that all season long, Edison Cavani, which is awful. Yeah, he's been a big disappointment. Like, he's been in Uruguay for half the season, hasn't he? Yeah, and I he's been that's paying for fans. Uruguay as well. Yeah, I think that's why fans were so annoyed the other day when he got on instead of Lingard because yeah. Lingard's been training throughout the season whereas Cavani just comes back and he gets a cameo appearance on his last like, Old Trafford appearance. So, yeah, Cavani's been a waste of space this season. Yeah, it's true. I kind of regret buying a Cavani shirt for my sister last season. Oh, yeah, it's a legend. <laughs> I've done that twice. I bought her a Schweinsteiger shirt and I got her a Cavani shirt and I'm like, that's just the wrong choice of legends to buy for Man United. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just like, best, basically past their best literally but um, just before we move on to the next topic Mark I want to hear your thoughts on Jesse Lingard and the fact that he's had that little um, little spat on social media as well because I'm in the minority when I'm kind of like he's been ghosting all season he's not really been doing much all season for Man United and even in the games that he has been playing he hasn't been that great and we've seen legends like Patrice Evra and uh, Rio Ferdinand not really getting a send-off and personally not getting a send-off properly when he was leaving as well so is it such a big deal that Jesse Lingard isn't getting his Old Trafford farewell? I know he's an academy player and all sorts, but is it that much of a big deal for you, personally? I mean, no, I don't think... Do you know what? I feel like... Let me not generalise and say it all, but I feel like some United fans are just binded by such sentiment. And that's why like, we're in a predicament where we don't have... We don't appreciate the quality that, that we should have because we're so attached to sentiment. And for me, I don't think like, it's that deep. Like... There's been so many decisions there that have contributed to all of this. Like for me, Lingard should have left last year. Mm. Like if I was if I was in his shoes or if I was if I was managing him, you had you seen the 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 surge, the revival he had at West Ham, a 28-29 World Cup year. 
on the back of that, you've seen United's strength with Sancho. Like, why stick around? I mean, I mean, you could argue that Solskjaer promised him more minutes, but in reality, where was he going to get more minutes? Because he was never starting ahead of Bruno. Mm. I mean, at the start of the season, uh, you would think our wide option was Rashford, Sancho. You could possibly uh, slot Pogba in there. MG11 um, as well. I won't mention him by name, but MG11 was part of that attack as well. That that chap over there. Um, chap. Marshall was also like... Oh yeah, Marshall he, as well. Where, where was he going to get more minutes? And that was on top of um, Solskjaer promising Van der Beek more minutes as well. Exactly. Like, <laughs> where, like, where, where on earth was he going to get more minutes? I mean, how, how much could he force a move though? Because he, he wanted to go last summer. So like, I don't know how much of it was in I his hands. Th- I think he was being respectful in the terms where he probably just didn't want to cause a ruckus just because yeah. of his ties to United but if you if you say if you say to the boss Gaff I've got to leave like for, for the sake of playing for, for the sake of my boss, my World Cup aspirations and myself I, I, I need to leave I think Solskjaer would have respected that and just let him let him leave consider like if we've got a respectable offer I think the issue was West Ham probably were banking on the fact that um he would want to leave so they could get like a lower value yeah. and that didn't materialise. Because we saw that under Solskjaer as well. I think, Anthony, you'd probably have more information than we would in terms of when Sergio Romero wanted to leave the season before as well. He wanted to go to Everton, yeah. um, but Solskjaer didn't let him leave or the club didn't let him leave because they were considered a rival. But he yeah. ended up just rotting for the whole season as well. Is that a common thing? Have you seen that recently with like the likes of uh, Man United players literally just like rotting across but the years they shouldn't be at Man United personally because you've probably, have you seen that from a journalistic point of view as well? Have you heard anything differently? From yeah, I think it was an Ed Woodward thing to be honest and Matt Judge. I think they were keen to just keep giving them new contracts so we wouldn't lose them on a free whereas mm. we should be selling players like Bailly and Jones. They shouldn't still be at the club but we saw the other day with the game we had like Jones and Matic and like just old players who shouldn't be there anymore. So yeah, I think Oli likes stockpiling players, so does Woodward. But hopefully that will change now going forward. Yeah, definitely. And now we're into the fun part of the podcast, like it hasn't been fun already, because with me, I've been looking at players that I think we should get rid of. But personally, I want to talk more about how many players we should bring in and who we should bring in as well. Because I'm looking forward to seeing if we actually are going to have a proper rebuild. Because every summer we, we say it, don't we? We hear it all the time. Yeah. Man United are under the biggest rebuild since Wrights Ferguson has left, yada, yada, yada. We signed, what, Lee Grant, Dolo and Fred. And yeah, we go backwards as well, which isn't great at all. Um, but no, Anthony, Mark and Zim, I need you all to share with me at least one player who you think Manchester United should sign and why. I'll start first because I want to share my thoughts on Paul Torres. And I think Paul Torres should be one of our top three signings for the summer for Ericsson Hag to bring in um, at Manchester United because I really think that it's kind of now time that we, sh- we should sign players when we don't delay every now and then. Because I've seen recently over the years how Man United will look to scout a player, they'll find a player, they'll leave him for another season. When they leave him for another season, the value goes up tremendously as well. We've seen that with Ruben Neves recently. We've seen that, um, we saw that over the years. I think we saw it with, uh, who's it? We were linked with um, Bernardo Silva, weren't we, Anthony, once upon a time? Yeah, yeah, I think back in the day we were. Yeah. Yeah. City moved quick for him though. They moved. Yeah. I, mean, mm-hmm. I remember like the end of the season, as soon as the, they beat, I can't remember who it was, they, they wrapped up the title and boom. They, had, yeah. they signed him and, who was it? Their left back, who I'm not going to mention by name. They signed yeah. him, they agreed him, they agreed it was for him and Mendy like after the season ended. 
Yeah. They always do their business really early in June and it's, it's worked really well for them because they settle in properly. They get a really good preseason. But for me personally, why I want Paul Torres the most is because I think we actually need a proper left-footed centre-back more so because of his passing angles. His distribution is really good as well. And he's had one of the highest interceptions in the Champions League this season as well, which has been really good. He may have got overworked yesterday with uh, Salah, Mane, and especially Diaz when he came on as well. Jota not so much in the first half because Villarreal were all over them as well. But personally, I'd really like to see a proper left-footed centre-back at Manchester United. It's the way a lot of teams are going now in terms of playing out for the back with the passing angles, with the calmness he has on the ball as well. There's a threat in the air at the same time. And realistically speaking, in the games that we played against him, he has been pretty good and has been with a 38, 39-year-old Raul Albiol. So imagine him with like a Varane, maybe a Lindelof at the back as well. So um, that's my first choice of who I really think Manchester United should sign this summer as well. Paul Torres from Villarreal. And if Eric Ten Hag is listening, please sign him. It would, it would work really well for me. Zim, who would you like to see Man United sign this summer from a different position? I think, um, yeah, just on the theme of left foot in this year, um, I'd like to see Anthony um, brought in from Ajax. Obviously, you've got the Ten Hag link already. But I think I, I was a big, big fan of like inverted um, forwards um, in a front three especially during like the MSN, BBC days. Like I think Sancho on the left and Anthony on the right could be like a partnership, both young, both very tricky, like quite quick and, and dogged as well. Like Anthony, he's like, because he's flary, a lot of people like associate those sorts of players as like being a bit of a pushover or soft, but nah, he's got something about him. Like you don't come from Brazil, the Brazilian streets and not have something about you. Do you know what I mean? He's got that so, tenacity about him. He's got that ferociousness exactly. about him. Very tenacious. I think it was a sport and, um, Lisbon game early in the group stages where, where you saw a bit of that as well. Just never would give up the ball and Ten Hag was like yeah. shouting at him on the touchline, run all the way back. Oh, I love that from Anthony. It's the way he caught my eye personally, not really because of his attacking slam, because of his and, and, doggedness. Yeah, exactly. And and he's obviously got a high ceiling because he's still young. And I think like those two on either side could grow like quite well together. I think Man United haven't had a good like success rate of um South Americans or especially Spanish speaking South Americans, I think like Uruguayan or Argentine. Tevez was all right, but you know, he he went a bit wayward. So <laughs> I, I can't really count him, but um I definitely think Anthony, like he's he's before his prime. Like he'll be a great one to have because we've had an issue on the right hand side thinking okay let's get Sancho he's going to sort our right hand side issues but then him being right footed it's like but also just being very very just comfortable on the ball and in any position meant that he was able to like move over to the left like in our team whereas Anthony uh, he's going to be on the right like he's definitely going to be on the right so I think that's the signing I'd like to see put through the door We've got Paul Torres on the list. We've got Anthony on the wish list as well. Mark, talk to us. If, if there's a position I think Man United needs to strengthen it, I think it's centre midfield. Can you think of a centre midfielder you think Man United needs to buy, needs to be in, in the market for the summer and why? I wasn't even going to go. I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking of central midfield to be fair because there's about 10 million central <laughs> midfielders that could improve our state. Literally, but, just, get, just get like Basuma in. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. Got no Matic, got no Pogba the yeah, summer right. as well. My number one target, but my number one target, he's not a central midfielder, yeah. Mm. Darwin Nunes, like he, I need him at United. As I need, a, I need to hear more about this because I've been, I've been gushing over him since like episode four of Friday Night Counter Attack a couple of years ago when I first saw him at Benfica. But 
Um, Zim and I, we've had a couple of a couple yeah. of conversations about Darwin Nunes. So let me hear your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, Mark like, first on Darwin I know, Nunes. I know he's got a couple of drawbacks, but like he's not the greatest behind, like when he's back towards goal and whatnot, yeah. But there's certain things as a striker yeah, that you can't teach, yeah. And that's instinct. The, that boy, yeah, regardless of what level he's playing at, he's gone to score goals. And you can see, like, he's got such a hunger to score goals, yeah. Whether it comes off his shoulder, his nose, his forehead, his left foot, he wants to score goals. And that is something that we haven't had in such a long time. And I know, like, like he's not the greatest aesthetically, yeah, but the hunger to score goals is just something you can't teach. And I remember some, like, when we had Oli and he was talking about sort of, like, Rashford and Marshall not having that instinct to score goals. Like, anything between, like, like tappings or anything in the box, yeah, that guarantees you about 10 goals a season. And we don't have a striker like that. I know, I mean, we've got Ronaldo, but like, when you have strikers like that, yeah, that, that occupy centre-backs, it makes it so, like, chances that come his way, yeah, become goals. Like, see the the games that we've drawn against, like, Watford, Burnley, Newcastle, those are the, like, those are the fine margins where someone like a Nunes, whether it comes off his shin, his, his toe, whatever, it wins you the game. And we haven't had one of those since... Like a Van Nistelrooy or something. Obviously, I'm not saying he's as good as Van Nistelrooy, but someone that just lives in the box, someone that just lives, breathes, just scores goals. And I think this, the market hasn't been great for strikers, yeah. But the upside is tremendous. Like if if Napoli or Atletico Madrid signed them, we'd all be like, oh, these teams always find like these uh, the next great strikers. Why don't we just why don't we just take the why don't we just take the gamble? Like, yeah. what, like what's stopping us because I feel like the upside is higher than the bus potential like I could see him scoring like 20 goals in Premier League easily very easily and one player that he re- reminds me of is Cavani yeah is it because he's Uruguayan and with the long hair yeah. and everything but that's no, the thing it's, it's probably not. the best it's time it's, to get him as well it's, it's the tenacity and like he can play left he can play right he works hard for the team that's um, what I like about him, though. So it's disrupt. I like the fact that against Liverpool, he was dropping off to the left quite a bit. He was dropping into that false line position quite a bit to draw out Van Dijk and Konate. And it's so just he, like the variation, the, the variation of finishes as well. So like he can side foot, he can put his foot through it, he can he can head the ball. Like all these things there are just hallmarks of a very good striker. And I'm not saying he's like Haaland, but. There are sort there's certain like similarities where people are saying, mm, I'm not too sure about like his his play with his back towards goal. Listen, roll the dice, you and you win the lottery, you like the fruits of your labor are just immaculate. So that's for me. He's for me. Go on, Zim, respond to that. I hear that. I hear that. Um has he convinced you to sign Nunes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's see where to start. I right, basically, yeah. Nah, he hasn't. But <laughs> to put it bluntly, but um, I agree with the Atletico Madrid analogy because I don't know how they did it before. Like they became like a, a winning club. They were getting um, Kun Aguero, Forlan, Diego Costa. Like they had Torres. Obviously, he's from there as well. Like they had players before they were in their prime, and and obviously like Joao Felix, but obviously he was a bit more known, and that was like a big price tag. So they normally get top top strikers before. David Villa on the cheap as well. Price. Suarez on the cheap. And that's as well. my guy as well. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, this is it. Like so, they they know what they're doing, but I think it suits them. They're such a especially under Simeone, they are they're really reliant on strikers. Like um and. 
Man United, because we we haven't had like a stable manager at a top level for a while, I don't know that we're reliant on a striker like that. Like say Chelsea back in the day under Mourinho, Drogba, um, Diego Costa type of vibes. Like Man United aren't really that. I think if you're not a club like that, then you need to have a striker, unless it's Ronaldo, because he's just different. He's not really human. To be able to hold up the ball and like link up play better. Like I think Cavani's link up play, yeah, he has the right idea, but his execution ain't all that. That's yeah. that's my issue with him. And I see Darwin Nunes as a part two of that. And to be honest, he's obviously got more youth on his side than um, Cavani. So there are more pros in that sense. But I think the key component is link up at, up top. Question, yeah. Done. Would you have taken Erlen Haaland? I mean, yeah, you take him. You, yeah, you take him. I'm Why? not like, because he's a bags man. He's gonna, he's gonna <laughs> get you goals. Like, he's but, a bags man. But the, the the strike rate of the two aren't yeah. that dissimilar. I think he's, I think Nunes has got twenty nine league goals or something like that. How many has he played in? Twenty eight. Mm-hmm. So one. Okay, okay. Do, do you know what though? Do you know the thing about it is like, I I wouldn't take Haaland for like a hundred million. I don't okay, what, what yeah. was his release cause? Yeah. It was, it was something. Like, something silly like 30 million or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So, so we're going to be on like 500 grand a week. Yeah. 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 And we, I don't know, because maybe it's because Man United are interested in Nunes. His yeah. value is just going to go up. Yeah, like, yeah. But if, if he was like less hyped, then yeah, yeah. I get yeah. Yeah. I think for me, like you said, I think the price is like a huge, a huge sticking point. And also I feel like if he, if he did come in, Mm. He wouldn't be on like huge wages. Like I, like, I could see like the first season of him coming in, yeah, and just sort of like coming off the bench a lot, as mm. as opposed to like starting. And I think he wouldn't mind that. But, More um, of a Europa League type striker, if you get. Yeah, that. he'd be, yeah. be on playing with Ronaldo, his rest yeah. of the Premier League. Conference, 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 conference. Yeah, I think. Sean, yeah, Sean, <laughs> that's not how you introduce yourself. You just to come in with your sixpence, fam. What's wrong with you, bro? You're in conference, the conference, conference. when the Champions League is asked. That's not happening. <laughs> I think it, I think the, just the price is the sticking point, and I think he he does have like certain drawbacks. Like it kind of reminds me of like like Hernandez as well when we signed him just yeah. before we went to the World Cup, and he wasn't that great with his back towards goal, but over time he improved in it. But um, yeah, man, um, all the strikers out there, I'm all for Nunes. Anthony, I need to I need to hear your thoughts again from your journalistic perspective and from your own mm. fan perspective as well. Because I've got a few names that I just want to roll off just for like, um, just for the sake of it. Because I think there's a lot of options out there this summer, especially yeah. being a World Cup year in December. And we're normally used to sign-ins after the World Cup when prices are inflated a lot more as well. So mm-hmm. uh, the likes of like uh, Oshimen, Andre Silva maybe, Patrick Schick, Nkunku. And just to throw in Luka Jovic as well from, from Real Madrid. Sean, you can join in as well. Sean, thanks for coming on the podcast, by the way. It's good to see you again. Okay. Well, um, good to be here. No, I love the fact that we've got both both of you on, which is great. But out of them, out of like any other obscure striker who hasn't been mentioned, because I think Anthony, you can probably agree when when an agent mentions Manchester United or when it's mentioned mm. in the press a lot, their value goes up 20, 25, 30 million just because Manchester United are involved in a conversation mm. with that. Is that correct or, or not? Yeah, I actually heard this week that Benfica had won about 80 million for him. And... <laughs> that euros or pounds? Yeah, pounds. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to go to the, the, the stock exchange rate and change it up. So, obviously, Ten Hag's a bit hesitant because, say, if he gets 150 million, like, we can't really splash 80 million on one player when 
he wants to buy five players, say, the summer. So it's going to be a bit sticky. But George Mendes is really pushing it because he's the one who is his agent at the moment and he's pushing him to United. So it could happen. The talks are going ahead. So it just depends on that price tag, I think, because 80 million is a bit too much for a, a striker of his quality, I think. You reckon we could do 60 million and swap with Martial? Do you reckon Benfica would go for that? <laughs> I don't know if Martial would want to go to Portugal, but yeah, I'd take that. <laughs> He wasn't doing well in Sevilla. He just needs a club where they can focus on him. Well, no one really focused on Martial. It's not the one. Um, but Sean, can you see anyone really in terms of like actually coming in to improve Man United bang straight out the gate? Like we've seen with yep. Luis Diaz. Was, oh my God. Didn't even let me finish. <laughs> You're pagan. He doesn't rate, he doesn't rate Ten Hag. He doesn't You're rate Man United. Do you know what? I do rate Ten Hag. I, I do rate Ten Hag. Mm. But I think the conversation is kind of in the wrong place because after seeing what Arsenal have done, I actually respect the idea of building from the back because that's not lie. You can get the best striker in the world, which you do. You have the best striker in the world. Mm. As long as Harry Maguire is your centre-back, you're going to leak goals mm. and that's going to lose you so many games. As uh, long yeah, as yeah. Phil that's Jones what... is your backup, yeah, you're going to leak he goals. He ain't been playing for the last few games, though. He played the other game, didn't he? Yeah, yeah but Phil Jones is now in consideration to come back and get <laughs> centre-back. That's how bad your centre-back is. I think he's trying to get a sell-on value. Yeah, Ten Hag will, will turn him into Desai. You can you can clip that. Phil Jones into Desai. It's going to happen. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. But no, Sean. Realistically speaking, can you see any really good like fullbacks coming into Manchester United? Because there is talks of Wan Bissaka leaving. There is talks of Luke Shaw mm. probably not getting another contract. Is there someone out there in terms of like a left back or a right back who you think you know um, what would be a pretty good little snippet for Man United? Who I think could actually be really good for you guys, and I think. You'd have to give him time, and that would be um, Creswell from West Ham. Creswell, I do. Yeah, I do think he could be. You guys need more of workhorses than superstars. You guys need somebody that's going to come in and just do the job. Like literally, I'm just here to just do my job, and that's make sure nobody gets past me. You that's know, the mentality. Do you not think he's closer to like Luke Shaw than what we actually need? Then no, no I, I think Luke. I think Luke Shaw has been. Had the, so, so you see when Luke Shaw came up he was hyped up as being like the next best centre left back he's going to be England's number one all these different things mm. Cresswell hasn't really had that Cresswell's kind of just been there about and it's like oh is he going to England is he not West Ham have done really well this season especially in the Europa League sorry and I think that's what you need you guys need a lot more of players that are just going to come in there and do their job and not be worried about the image of Man United and yeah. be worried about the image of who they are as a, as a superstar. Man United has so many superstars that once upon a time, you don't have so many players that were hyped up to have, have this great potential and they've never filled it. You don't, you guys don't have any, a single player that's just they're like, who the hell is he? Like, where's he come from? Like, what's he here for? Like, and I think once you lower that expectation on a lot of players, I think they will play better for Man United because Man United itself is a very big club. And I think a lot of the players that have come in, we've expected them to bang and hit the ceiling and they just haven't. And this is why I feel like you guys need somebody that's not going to be hyped. Somebody that's just out of, somebody that we know can just come in and play the, play the game. Somebody like, even like, I'm going to use him as an example, but someone like Reese James at Chelsea is he hasn't, when he came into the Chelsea squad, nobody really knew him. But mm. what he's now become is like, wow, Reese James is this phenomenal player and he can now play at that level because He's just done it off of his own back, not because of any hype, not because of any like any energy being put into him. He's just come in and done his job. You guys need somebody that's going to do their I, job. I think utilizing the academy is key, though. 
I think yeah. um, obviously with of Trent and Reese are good examples. Like Liverpool fans and Chelsea fans, respectively, would have known who they were, and like yeah. we've got some on the cusp as well. But you just don't know if they're going to make that grade because that step up is completely mm. different from playing under 18s. You know what I mean? Mm. Not everyone makes it. But I hear you in terms of the mentality. You can't be gassed. The only thing about Man United. Is, Anyone that comes, their profile elevates yeah. tenfold. Mm, yeah. Who was yeah. Bruno before? Like, yeah. and now he's this big guy. Like, but that's that's a that's a perfect example. When Bruno came into, everyone was like, "Who the hell is this?" Bruno? Like, we're hearing some noise about him, but nobody really knew who he was. He could come in and just be. He you got him for thirty five million or something like that. Yeah. He didn't cost you an arm and a leg. He just came in and he did his job because there was no hype behind it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You guys need that because Man United in itself, the club has pressure. Obviously, we don't know what's going on back doors. But I feel like there's a lot of pressure going on back doors. For some reason, I feel like the Glazers are telling the, the squad they should be achieving Champions League when they're bloody seventh. Mm. Whereas I think you guys just need like just the players that are just going to come in and be like, right, okay, cool. My job today is to be a left back, maybe get one assist. And they focus on that. That's what you guys need. And just that rebuild process. Because even the reason why I say this is because I remember when Arsenal signed Tomiyasu. Yeah. I promise you, none of us here knew who Tomiyasu was last year right now. Mm. <laughs> he's coming and now all of us are like who the hell is this right back and even now when he came back this weekend I was so excited because I'm like oh we've missed him so much but last week I didn't know who he was <laughs> but if we had signed for example when we signed Callum Chambers who had the hype behind him mm. Callum Chambers never lived up to the hype 16 million mm. from Southampton yeah you know, I think that's I just like the gift and the curse of United like Jim said because the moment like so for instance here yeah, there's like a left back at final I don't know what his name is um Malice. Yeah, I had no idea who he was, yeah, before he, Man United was linked to him. I checked him out on YouTube and literally the comments was like, Man United brought you here, Man United brought you here. And like, yeah. you just went through the roof. <laughs> so like, regardless of, regardless of like, the profile of saying, oh, you need someone that, that's not going to sort of like, become this person. Just the fact that because you're linked with Man United, it just changes everything. I mean, yeah, it does. We've, we've been linked to about 100 players, yeah. And I guarantee you, their Instagram following has gone up like, by hundreds or, yeah. or their Twitter just because they've been linked with Man United it goes back to yeah. the youth question that Zim said as well our youth players are on like 500, 700, 800k followers before yeah. even playing a first team appearance and it's crazy because you're just kind of there like they've got more followers than like some clubs in League 1 and League 2 and in the championship as well and it's, it's crazy because yeah. it's just yeah. Manchester United player in their bio and everyone will start following it's, it's ridiculous think, that that way as well. I think yeah. a pro of Ten Hag is the fact that he is capable of sort of unearthing gems so I don't think we're gonna go for uh, I don't know who's who's like the most hyped left back right about now I don't know so throw me a name I don't know anyway what, Ramado, overhyped yeah left back's like yeah. kind of limited but Alfonso Davis yeah let's yeah mm. not, when, yeah Cucurella from Brighton get get Cucurella from Brighton he'd, yeah. he'd be worked very well like we're not gonna get like the the um, obvious target if that makes sense because I feel like Ten Hag is more on working with qualities rather than like the the, the name and the established qualities or whatnot so I do think one pro of Ten Hag is the fact that we will like our targets are not going to be like ones that were under sort of um, I don't know like previous managers like mm, even yeah. Moyes or whatever so I do, I do look forward to sort of like seeing who he brings in yeah the only, the only thing is I don't think he's had the opportunity to do that like under Ajax because they've got a machine 
where mm. their academy just produces bare talent. Yeah. Like they don't even need to dip into the market because they have the best Dutch talent. And obviously Holland's a footballing nation, so he's going to mm. have a serious squad. And then they don't have the budget to be attracting people from the Bundesliga or yeah. like, you know, Premier League or Spanish League. So as long as, long as he has a like, final say, I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. I hear that. I hear mm. that. Is, Anthony, is that something you, you can see changing from Manchester United's point of view that it's going to have the manager's fingerprint on, on the signings, on the button to say, you know what, I want these players in as opposed to the likes of Jose Mourinho when we've seen him sign Fred because he had to, because otherwise he wouldn't have get, got anyone. Do you reckon that could be something that's changing for, for yeah. the better for Man United? Yeah, hopefully. And I think we've got the structure in place now, haven't we? We've got like Fletcher, we've got Murtau. We're trying to get another uh, director just below Murtau as well. So yeah, I think it's definitely changing. And I think before Ten Hag signed the contract, he said he wants the final say on players coming in. Brilliant. So it's good. He's got that authority where he's going to bring in his own people and everything's going to be signed off by him, it seems. So that can only be a good thing. Have you heard anything in terms of like the Paul Mitchell recruitment um, coming in? Have you heard anything uh, recently at all? No, nah, not on Paul Mitchell. I don't think that's close. I don't think you'd want to work under Mertel. I think he wants to be the director. Yeah, but I don't think that would work at the moment because um, we obviously have that structure in place already. Yeah, because like Murtagh, then it would be like Fletcher and Mitchell then, wouldn't it? Like different yeah, be yeah but Mitchell wants to be the main man, I think. So, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think that's happening for now. With his credentials at Leipzig as well, you can kind of you can kind of forgive him for wanting to be that main guy as well. I think he did yeah. that at Tottenham as well, especially with the scouting recruitment that he had. It's incredible with the work that he's done. But um, Southampton as well. Yeah, yeah, Southampton as well. That's what, yeah. Following Poch as well, that was, that was the main thing. But... Um, Antti, can you tell us a bit more about what you can expect from Eric Ten Hag in his first season at Manchester United? Because I'm looking forward to seeing his style of play. I've been raving about it for the last year and a half, I would say. Really enjoyed watching him play. But mm. do you reckon it, he can adapt in the first year to the Premier League? Do you reckon he can adapt quickly enough to English football? How, how do you kind of see it from your point of view, Anthony? Well, he seems really intelligent. So I think he's got the acumen to be a, a good Premier League manager. Um, I think it all depends on his coaches as well. I think it's vital that he has that Premier League experience on his coaching staff. So, obviously, you've seen the rumours about McLaren and, like, Mullenstein and Percy even. I think it's so important that he gets that right because you saw with Moyes when he got rid of, like, Mullenstein and Phelan, he really mucked up there. Whereas mm. if you've got that consistency and you've got someone with, like, a United history maybe, then I think that will help him going forward. But, yeah, he seems to like 4 3 or 4 one So, I think we've got the structure in place for him to shine. And yeah, it would just be exciting to have a fresh start again from the start of next season. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that fresh start. And this is where we're getting into the bit where I don't really want to talk about it because it's kind of negative, but we will talk about it for the sake of it. Who, who, what five players can we get rid of from Man United? Because I, I know there's some leaving already, but what more players can we kind of get rid of from Manchester United? Because we talk about Maguire not being up to standard. I'm, on, I'm, I'm of that, unop, unop, um, I'm of that un, unpopular opinion that I think Eric Ten Hag can actually improve Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I have that thought process in my mind where I think, you know what? Give him two seasons with Ten Hag. Let him learn a bit more about how to become more of a right-back in the modern age. Because he's more of an old-fashioned right-back, Aaron Wan-Bissaka. More of the defensive style. Doesn't cross over. Um, not really good at coming back onto his left foot and crossing in. Positioning isn't great, realistically. But... I feel like Eric Ten Hag can actually bring something out of Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I hope he does, and I hope he brings something out of Diogo Dallo. But realistically speaking, I don't really think Paul Pogba should be staying. I know he's kind of out of a contract. Matic is going, obviously. Matt is going. But personally, I think uh, Martial should be one of the first ones out the door. 
I think it's kind of obvious how we kind of said it, but Martial, I think he's run his course at Manchester United. He's had some good memories with us, done some good things for us as well. Obviously that dream debut uh, against Liverpool, but realistically speaking, it's time to kind of give away his 250k wages a week. And Anthony Martial isn't someone I want to see at Old Trafford next season as well. Zim, we'll go to you. Who else do you reckon should go out the door at Old Trafford this season and who you never want to see in a red shirt again? <laughs> it sounds very harsh, man. Um, it needs to be done. We need to be a bit brutal on this done. podcast. Um, so, I mean, you you mentioned the people that are going on a free, so I'm not going to include them. Mm. Um, in terms of statement ones, um, and it doesn't have to be realistic because obviously there's some, like Maguire, I'd like to see the back of him. I like, I like mm. to, I'd like him to go, but I don't see that happening. So in, in order not to take too many names here, I'm going to say... Mm, 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 mm. I'm gonna say um Wambasaka. I, I I wanna disagree with what you said about um Ten Hag yeah. getting the best out of him. I think he's not comfortable enough on the ball naturally. That is only so much Ten Hag will be able to teach him. So I think like yeah, you can be a coach and make someone better at certain fundamentals, but if after the age of 18 you haven't got certain fundamentals in football, I don't think you're going to get it. And I think in terms of like tackling and that, yeah, obviously he excels. But um, as you mentioned, what we, what you need in the modern day like game and as a fullback, he don't have that. So um, yeah, man, it's a bit harsh because he wouldn't be my first pick, but it's just off the top of my head, especially because you mentioned it. Yeah, I'll say um, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, him and what he kind of represents in terms of modern day football, I think we should be getting rid of him. But big up him though from New Allenton and that. (laughs) (laughs) Left it on a positive there, which is good. Mark, who would you like to get rid of from Manchester United this summer and why? Because even with someone like Lee Grant, apparently Anthony as well, he's a big leaker from from the dressing room. Is that true or not? Do you know? I don't know about that. I know he obviously spoke about the desserts thing on Talksport, and I don't think the players were too happy with that, but mm. I don't think he's leaked that much. Ah, okay. That I know of, anyway. I've, I've heard rumours, so hopefully they're just rumours, because there's been a lot of leaks recently as well. But no, Mark, sorry, um, I was going to ask you, if you could get rid of one person from Man United this summer, who would it be and why? One person? Just one person. We have to be generous. <laughs> they're lucky generous. To, to, to be employed by Man United. Jesus mm. Christ, one person. <laughs> um... <laughs> Ridiculous wages, ridiculous amount of them. One person. The oh my god! Not easy. <laughs> Remember, we got a Champions League game in like fifteen minutes, so we can't be here all night. All night. <laughs> um, David De Gea. David De Gea. Wow, David what? De Gea. What? Oh, okay. David De Gea. Yeah. Let's hear that. 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 Because, why? Why should David De Gea leave? Because I feel like he's not a modern enough goalkeeper. He doesn't kick the ball well. He doesn't command his area well. He's a great shot stopper, but I feel like he's someone where he he makes mistakes, but then recovers the mistakes that he makes. So, for instance, mm. like he would like the ball come to him, and he will like sort of miscue the clearance. It goes to a corner, the corner comes in, and then he makes a great save from the corner. But if he could kick, <laughs> if he could kick the ball well. We wouldn't we wouldn't be in that pre- that predicament. Mm. I don't think he's he's kicking's good enough. He's he's I don't like the fact that he stays on his line too much. I think that, that adds a lot more pressure. Like it's we we're not great from we we don't defend sort of like set pieces or or crosses in general greatly. And I feel like that's down to the hair as well. 
Yeah. So I feel like we just need to get with the times. Like he's not even a good sweeper keeper either. Like he mm. doesn't do that well either. So I feel like never really been one as well. To be fair, as well, Mark. Yeah, never really I, I had to like do that. There's just been like a reluctance to adapt to today's game, and I feel like him being on like 370k or whatever it is, mm. like yeah. as a goalkeeper, it's I don't know. Like I feel like if we had like a a, a good keeper that that had a balance between like shot stopping and playing. Mm. be in a much better place yeah it reminds yeah. me of like when Pep Guardiola got rid of like Joe Hart when he first yes. came in yeah I wonder if Ten Hag would do the same but I think De Gea's got a bit more time at United maybe at least another season yeah I think he's got enough grace yeah yeah especially because we need so many different positions I think goalkeeper even Ragnick said the other day that we got three top keepers so I doubt anyone's going to leave unless Henderson needs to go and he wants first team football yeah yeah is Henderson good enough to take over from David De Gea? That's the question. Because from what I've seen, I'm not sold on him just yet. See, with Henderson, yeah, mm. I feel like he's not good enough. However, I feel like he's got the things that De Gea lacks. Yeah. Does that mm. make sense? So yep. He might not be the greatest shot stopper, but against like Man City, the second goal started because of him. When, yep. he, mm. when he claimed the ball and dashes it to, to Luke Shaw. Yeah. So just little things like that. I don't, that doesn't happen with De Gea. Yeah. Well, the thing with Henderson, he was supposed to start the season as well, but he had long COVID. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So he was actually going to be our number one from the start of the season. So De Gea really got lucky that yeah. Henderson had COVID. And De Gea then made that crucial save in the last minute against West Ham as well. And that's when uh, Solskjaer was just sold. It was like, yeah, just stick with David De Gea for the rest of the season. Because mm-hmm. that's when Henderson came back on the bench as well. Yeah, that was like the first penalty you ever saved for us, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's like the third penalty he's ever he's saved for us in like 11 years. Yeah, <laughs> you can remember them on your hand, like Leighton Baines against Everton, Mark Noble, and then like awesome. uh, Robin Van Persie. Yeah, yeah, literally just the three you can remember from, from your hand, which is crazy. But no, realistically speaking, I'm I'm really excited about seeing Ericsson Hag with his style of play. His philosophy is something that I've really enjoyed watching. But for me personally, I do think it would take probably two, three years. So for me, just to ask you one final question before we wrap up, before we see the Benzema Masterclass. What would you all consider success from Eric Ten Hag's first season at Manchester United? So, uh, Mark, we'll start with you, actually. So, what, what does success look like under Eric Ten Hag in season one for Manchester United? Uh, good recruitment, improvement of organisation on the field, hmm. um, a different culture amongst, amongst the players. So, like, not sort of like the leaks and stuff like that. Hmm. And possibly... Uh, finishing in top four and winning the Europa League yeah we qualify Sean's not here to, to tell us yeah. so it's all good because uh, I'm still of that uh, minority where I think top four will just be good it will just be good for us as well because we are Manchester United but a lot of people have been saying you, you're not the Manchester United of old but Anthony do you have anything kind of to add to that do you reckon top four will be just enough for Manchester United next summer in terms yeah of I'd that? take top four right now if I was offered it yeah 100% yeah. and yeah I think I'm actually glad we're going to be in the Europa League because I think we can really push for that and it'd be a good first trophy for Ten Hag to get under his belt if we can get it so yeah I think top four Europa League I just want to see some passion on the football pitch and some like leadership and just some good energy like there's been so many bad stories this season so many different storylines will have been negative. Like, we just want a positive season. Hopefully, Ten Hag will bring that. Yeah, it's just like you said as well, like the fact that you're working in the industry, so you kind of see it every day, everywhere mm. you go. So it must be 
literally as, as bad as it is for us, even worse for you because you have to report on it, you have to read about it, discuss it as well, which is crazy. Ah, incredible. And Zim, you mentioned earlier in the podcast as well, you wanted to see a bit more youth coming through from the academy, from the reserves. Do you, do you reckon the likes of Ethan Laird and James Gardner will stay in this team from Ericsson Hagen? Do you reckon they'll actually um, continue being part of this squad for next season going forward? Yeah, I think obviously that's something that um, Ten Hag's renowned for, like bringing in through youth and um, like they're like a fresh plate. So a, a fresh can- canvas that you can kind of mould. Um, so that's one of the things that I'd like to see. I'd definitely like to see, um, not necessarily Ethan Laird. I'd like to see him given game time. Um, but, you know, James Garner's got a good full season at Nottingham Forest. I think that would be good to, to see what he can do in a Prem, um, especially if he gets them up. Um, I think that they're probably in the playoffs now because I think they lost to Bournemouth the other day. Um, mm-hmm. But also, like, you know, given chances um, to, to play youth players who haven't had like a full season. So the lights of Garnacho, um and, and and not even necessarily at the start of the season. Like let's let's get them in um like pre-season and then come like January or you know towards the end of the, of the year, I'd like to see the likes of yeah, Garnacho, Charlie McNeil, you know what I mean, like shadowing some of mm. the first team players. Um I think yeah, also also so you know, if if we're in Europa League, I'd like to see him win that. It's not a tournament that I'm su- like super gassed about, but I remember us playing against Ajax a few years ago and um, in the final, and Ten Hag managed that. Um, mm. And you know, so he's gotten close to European success in that front, and also to semi-final, like almost to a final in the Champions League. So he doesn't have that European finesse. I'd like to see him just take it over the line with a win there. I think. Going forward from that, um, yeah, could give us a lot of confidence. Um, so, yeah, those are the two things I like to see. Mm-hmm. And top four, of course, but that goes without saying. Definitely. Yeah, just that one step further and he gets that under his belt and he gets rid of that omen of being the nearly man in European yeah. football. So that'll be something really fun for us to see as well. I was going to ask Sean, but Sean just dipped off the, the recording <laughs> again. Um, but personally for me, it's going to be good to see how a lot of these fringe players kind of want to impress the new manager, the likes of Pellistri coming back on loan, Ahmad Diallo for an unsuccessful loan at Rangers as well. Um, mm. If we are actually going to go for some of these shrewder signings, um, like the uh, Justin Timber from Ajax, maybe the, uh, Spence from Middlesbrough, Nottingham Forest, I think he, we were linked with as well. Because it would, it would kind of demonstrate and show the world that we are looking at changing our culture. We aren't looking at the big money wages anymore in terms of the signing because we have seen recently with the likes of Klopp, Tuchel, Guardiola in, in English football, even kind of down to the, the lower part of it as well. When you're seeing a manager um, being the big man at the club, being the main man, being the, the marketing reason why you want to go to a footballing club, it throws you back in terms of when Man United were under Sir Alex Ferguson in terms of we were the team to go, to go and beat because of Sir Alex Ferguson. We were the go-to team if you're one of the better players in the league, the Robin Van Persies, the Michael Owens, once upon a time, um, who what who we were after, we would be the one to go after them as well. And it's not like that anymore because of the money in the Premier League, because of the the wages in the Premier League as well. But still, a lot of talent out there that I think that Man United can recruit, and I reckon there'd be a lot of players out there that Ericsson Hag would look to recruit. He'd find a lot more shrewder signings as well. Hopefully, Ralph Ragnick stays on in terms of. Um, helping him with recruitment and helping him with his resources that he has available as well because I think Ralph Ragnick 
he does deserve a kind of pat on the back, a kind of well done for exposing a lot of these weaknesses, yeah. a lot of these outcomes. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people, a lot of these players have kind of gone against what is said, the likes of Marshall, the likes of Lingard. Um, Eric Bai obviously commented on social media as well. You're kind mm-hmm. of just there like, it's, it's a proper manager. It's like, if you're disrespecting me, you're not going to play. You're not going to do this and you're not going to do that. And mm-hmm. that's just a taste of what's going to come with Eric Ten Hag. And I'm really looking forward to really seeing how hopefully in a year's time, the four of us, the five of us get back onto our podcast and we're, let's say, what, fourth, maybe in a Europa League final with a week to go or something. And we can reminisce in terms of how well Manchester United have recovered under Eric Ten Hag and under uh, John Murta, Darren Fletcher mm. and some of these new players who we have been speculating about, which has been pretty good. But yeah, that's the end of my little piece for, for that. But before we end, Zim, Mark and Anthony, Little prediction for the Champions League final. Obviously, we're going to know by the time uh, this podcast comes out on Friday, but what's it, what's it going to be? Liverpool or Man City or Liverpool against Real Madrid? Liverpool and um, Real Madrid. Big Benz. Big, Big Benz. Big guy. Gutty Benz, yep. Gutty yep. <laughs> Benz, yeah. Yeah, I think, he, I think he steps up tonight. This is where he wins the Ballon d'Or. It's going to happen. I predicted a two-all draw, which I think it's not going to... It's not going to help us in terms yeah, of my United fans, but hopefully Benzema comes through. Antti, what do you think? I was going to say 1-0. I feel like City are going to get it done and set up that final with Liverpool. You're using your brain, mate. Use your heart. Use, your heart. <laughs> Use the soul. Use the soul. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's been good fun. It's been good to get back on podcasting. It's been good to get back with the guys as well. It's been great. Um, but really speaking, I'm looking forward to seeing how this summer... Remember, it's a World Cup summer as well. But it's actually going to be in, in December. So this whole season is going to change completely in terms of who we sign. And yeah. Like my passion signing, the one who I've wanted the most, I think Zim knows as well, is Nkunku from RB Leipzig. And I know he's going to cost an arm and leg because he is linked with us as well. And Anthony, like I said before, if you know anything, just let me know. Because you know what? I, <laughs> sorry I, to cut you, I like to, sorry, go sorry to go cut go. you off here, but I was looking at my phone and according to little quip, he's decided to leave. But like Leipzig are holding hostage for like 100 mil. So, mm, uh, yeah. yes. but yeah, they can do that now. Clubs can do that now when they're in the Champions League with the money that they're getting. Darwin yeah. Nunes, 80 million, and Kunku, 100 yeah, million. Yeah, but he has decided to leave. So, mm. I guess that's a plus. I guess I'll just stick with playing with him on FIFA instead. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's going to happen. But we've seen stranger things happen at Manchester United. We've seen uh, stranger signings as well. Once we sign Ronaldo, I'm like, nothing's off the table. Yeah, Nothing that's true. off the table as well. Which I was also going to say, obviously, next season in the Premier League, you're allowed five subs, so we're mm. going to need a stronger oh, squad anyway. Obviously, yep. so. yeah, we yeah. can't be bringing off um, Fred and McTominay, Mata, Matic, like we did in the lockdown <laughs> as well, bringing on all these men. Like, oh yeah, they're going to help us get back in the game against was it Bournemouth? I think we drew two or Southampton. We drew two, two, two in the lockdown one. That was mm. crazy. Um, but yeah, just to wrap up the podcast, Anti, thank you very much for your time. What have you got going on this summer? Um, do you actually get a holiday from? football reporting or is it all transfer season that you've got to deal with because I'm an editor I can take holiday whereas like the reporters they've got to like work throughout the day like every day and every week so yeah I'm lucky that I I don't actually work on a patch but yeah it's going to be a busy summer and then obviously a busy winter as well but it's exciting so yeah I enjoy it I'm looking forward to it Uh, Mark what have we got planned for the rest of the summer because I know you finished with Enfield United as well so I still need to see your highlight reel for the season as well which needs to be done um you know it's funny, yeah. This is gonna sound so cliche, but like I've been watching like like sort of like other players, and mm. it just makes me more more motivated to get back into like to tip top shape and whatnot. So, if yeah. anything, I'm just gonna be locked in the hyperbolic time chamber until mm. until it's time to go. Definitely, just be ready for the season as well. 
Because Zim, do you play football as well? Do you play Sunday League football as well? Well, yeah, my team, South Ballers FC, I haven't been playing this season because um, of injury and that. Um, mm. on, on the men now. Uh, and this summer, hopefully get get fit to, to play again in, in September coming. So, yeah, no, I definitely need to get back in shape for one. And, um, yeah, seven aside's helping at the moment, just little by little. So, yeah, man. Ha- having a couple of drinks as well, innit? From what I saw recently. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, it was <laughs> apple juice. <laughs> yeah, apple juice. It, it, was the non, it was a non-halal apple juice that I noticed, <laughs> I noticed properly as well. I was like, ah, oh, it got you going for the seven aside, which is the main thing. That's all we wanted to see. And Sean, just before we wrap up the podcast, we did ask yeah. everyone um, before as well what they predicted for Man United next season. What's your prediction for Manchester United next season? Um, I think I bet a lot better performances. Um, I think you guys are going to have an overhaul over summer. Not as massive as you think, I think, um, what's his name? For some reason, I feel like Ralph Ragnick is a big liar. I don't know why I just keep getting that vibe from him. So I didn't think about, you know, that, that, that 10 or 12 players. Mm. I think you might get a good four or five very decent 20 mil, 30 mils, maybe a 50 mil here, 60 mil there. Um, I'd take that. I think, I'd take that. Um, I think you, that's what you're going to go for. And I think that's what Ten Hag wants. I think Ten Hag is coming in for a project. Um, I think this is your process. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it's going to take some time. But um, I think next season, I expect a lot better from you. I expect you guys to finish in that fifth, maybe sixth position. Mm. Um, yeah, because I think... Um, well, better last that's where we are now, huh? I think your performances will be a lot better. Uh, cool. Yeah, we'll uh, get from you sixth got, to fifth. That'll be the that'll be the progress. That's yeah, because I, I think do you know I think it's because when I look at Tottenham, look at mm-hmm. Chelsea, look at Arsenal. Obviously, Man United, Man City, and Liverpool in their own league. But I see those three teams, and I see how far they are already in comparison to you guys. You guys still have quite a bit of catching up. You're like a season or two behind. You're a season behind Arsenal. Maybe Spurs you catch up to. That's why I put you fifth. I think a, I think a good striker, a better centre back, and a and a proper centre midfielder as well. Just like we discussed earlier on the podcast, they will help yeah. us get, gain those points. Maybe not lose a couple of um, ridiculous goals that we need to as well. Kind of yeah. help us in those in those smaller games as well going yeah. forward as well, which will be great. But no, everyone, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Everyone, listen, thank you very much. Find us on social media on Friday Night Counter Attack. Um, Sean, Zim, Mark and Anthony thank you very much for your time on this lovely Wednesday evening as well let's enjoy the Champions League Zim I'll see you in the summer Anthony you're invited as well Um, Mark I'll invite you as well let's have a vibe Sean you should already know what's going on Um, everyone everyone listen you have no idea what we're talking about but we are planning something for the summer Uh, we'll talk about offline everyone take care enjoy and I'll put all the links for Mark's link Anthony's link and Away Games links in the podcast below on the podcast description below. Take care and goodbye. Cheers.